Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, Please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. Son, my chosen one, listen to him. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. I know we're, we're doing a lot of standing and sitting today. We stand, it's an act of reverence, it's like a standing ovation. When something amazing happens, you will get out of your seats, I would assume, right? And so the tradition is in the church, like when you, for the gospel lesson per se, we rise because, my goodness, this is not just the word of God, but it's Jesus. God in the flesh has come and he came to speak. And, and we should rise and just give credence to what that is, you know. The same thing for hymns when it concludes with a, um, a, a praise of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, sort of like the, the fullness of God. You rise sort of like... Praise God that he is in our midst, uh, that he loves us so. So it's an act of reverence, like a standing ovation, uh, if you're wondering why in the world. And it's not calisthenics. I don't think you're, you're getting big and I need to work you out here at all. So uh, anyhow. Uh, but we rise especially today, not now by the way, but uh, because this is Transfiguration Sunday. Something amazing we are shown by Jesus today. Um, something special is given to us Today, um, what a day worthy of us standing up and clapping and giving God a standing ovation, the transfiguration of our Lord. Um, in in uh, last year, I think it was 2018, there was this um, young lady, 17 year old woman, Tammy Joe, who had got her pilot's license and she was taking off on her first flight, solo flight, right? So she, she gets up in the air and immediately as she's going up, she heard a loud noise and she realized somehow that one of her tires was gone, which doesn't affect most of the flight. But uh, <laughs> so fear comes in, she radios in, she's talking to her instructor on the ground. Her dad, I think, comes, is not, they don't live too far away, hears about this, or maybe he was there. He's on the phone, and they begin to speak to her. And first, their words were meant to simply calm her down. They needed to talk to give her peace of mind, you know what I mean? Just to calm her down so that she could listen even more carefully to the instructions of landing that plane with, I don't know, one wheel or whatever she has. And so they spoke to her and gave her peace. And next, they spoke and she listened as the instructor told her exactly what to do. There has been no time in her life, probably ever, that she listened so intently, right? And maybe you've been in a situation like this where you completely had to listen perfectly to what someone was saying because their words were literally life and death. Listen. Sometimes listening is essential. We're terrible at listening, by the way, right? Even, I just wonder myself if I was up there. I'm so ADHD. I can, I'm terrible at listening. I can't imagine even in a situation like that, like I'm looking at my phone, checking Facebook, while they're telling me how to land my plane and save my life. I don't know. I think I would listen. But I think circumstances do that, don't they? When you are in trouble, suddenly you can pay attention. Amen? I mean, that's true, right? 
How much more so in our lives? In our planes with one wheel missing or whatever our issues are, there's always something. We do well to pretend nothing's wrong, but there is often something wrong. And God speaks with words more important to us than that flying instructor. And not simply how to land a plane, but how to be okay when we crash. (laughs) How to avoid death even. How to know forgiveness when we sin. Listen to Jesus. That's really the, the lesson here in Transfiguration Sunday and this wonderful story we have. Listen to Jesus. His words are essential. They give life. They give hope. They give peace. They are all that we have in this world. We see this, uh, you know, it's funny, the whole Bible is a story of, of God speaking and people not listening, if you think about it. I mean, right in the beginning, right? Chapter 1, verse 3, God says, let there be light. He begins the whole story with him speaking and things happen, right? Light occurs and he keeps on doing this for all creation. And then he's got Adam and Eve and he tells them one instruction, right? First of all, he blesses them. Multiply, be fruitful, eat of all the fruits of the garden have a blast just don't eat of this one tree did they listen no they listened to a snake instead think about that that's insane we're not very good listeners and from their listening we we inherit their ears we're not very good just like Adam and Eve we don't hear very well sin clogs our ears and so god when god and then god speaks to adam and eve and he gives them hope even though he tells them there's going to be punishment and the world is going to be dreary and, and awful and death is sort of going to preeminate in the world, he tells them, he actually says, I'm going to, or he says to Eve, your, your son is going to crush the serpent's head. So Jesus, God's words give promise to Adam and Eve. And you can imagine how they listened to that their whole life. And they remembered those words as they saw Cain kill Abel. As they saw sin multiply in the world, they clung to those words of hope that one day this would all be over and things would be better when that son of Eve comes. And God keeps on speaking throughout the Old Testament. He speaks to Noah. He speaks to Abraham. He gives promises in Moses. He tells them, right, the law, the Ten Commandments and promises a Savior's coming. But the story of the Bible is not just about God speaking. It's also a story of people not doing a good job of listening either, right? Constantly, right? Ridiculously bad hearing. That's what sin causes, by the way. It causes terrible hearing. Or maybe not hearing at all. Just talking. Finally, God sends his son. And that's what we have today. Jesus. In chapter 9, you can follow along if you want to as we go, go through this. Luke tells us that Jesus took with him Peter and John and James, his top three. You see, Jesus selects 12 disciples. These are guys, they're not the only believers. They're not the best believers or disciples or followers. But he selects 12. These are going to be my leaders is what they are, like the first pastors. And then out of the 12, there's always a three. He selects three out of them. So they are in charge of these 12, kind of. It does not mean they're great. Peter, James, and John say a lot of dumb things. But Jesus, for whatever reason, does this all the time, by the way. 
and he picked me for goodness sakes. That's what Jesus does, because thank God the church survives because of him, right? And so he brings these three guys up to a mountain. Now, if you are a Jewish man and you're following this rabbi, this teacher, this hero, going up a mountain with him is a big deal. It's a sign, because you know, if you know the Old Testament, this is a sign of something great is about to happen. And Jesus takes these guys up. And it probably uh, and, and um, it probably reminded them of Moses, who took the seventy elders of Israel up Mount Sinai, where they heard God Himself speak. So all these things are going through through John, James, John, and uh, Peter's minds, and they get up there and they're praying. And while Jesus was praying. His, the appearance of his face changed. That's where you get the word transfiguration. And his clothes became dazzling white. He no longer looked like this carpenter from Nazareth. This prophet, this good guy, this rabbi, you know, this normal person. But now they were seeing he was something else. And that harkens back to Moses when he came down from Mount Sinai. His, and that's why it's so important to know the Old Testament. If you don't know the Old Testament, you're missing a lot of what's going on here. God's making a very important statement here. And so Moses comes down after getting the Ten Commandments, and he looks like, he looks like a, a nuclear bomb went off in front of him and like totally blew up his face. It was like white and shiny. Like he was shined upon. Does that make sense? I kind of, I, for one, some reason I think of uh, those, the uh, great uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons when uh, so-and-so has a cigar and it blows up. You know what I'm talking about? And their face just kind of goes back, right? It's unrealistic, by the way. Don't do that. Moses comes down. He looks like that. He's changed. It actually freaks all the Israelites out because he kind of changed. But in this case, Jesus internally looks different. The light. He doesn't look like someone who has light that's shined upon him. He looks like someone who has light inside of him. And he is shining. And they saw also two men. Moses and Elijah talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of Jesus' departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. This is huge, what God, the message God is sending here. You've got Moses and Elijah on both sides, the law and the prophets. They represent the Old Testament. Not that it's bad or wrong, you should forget about it. But clearly, Moses and Elijah, the writings of the Torah... The writings of the prophets are all about this Jesus as he stands in their center. And Moses is the hero for the Jews. Why not? My goodness, he's the one. Exodus, through him, God caused the people of Israel to exit Egypt and come to a land of their own. Through Moses, he accomplished a rescue from slavery to freedom, from hunger to a land of plenty. That's what Exodus means. And look at these guys. They're talking to Jesus about whose Exodus now? Jesus. Because Christ is about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Not just a, a political uh, a victory or a temporary victory, but Jesus is going to lay down his life and pick it up again to deliver you and me from slavery to sin, slavery to death. 
that makes the exodus of Moses look like a junior high basketball championship, which is awesome. But Christ is going to deliver sinners from hell. Dying people from the grave. So here they are talking about what Jesus is about to do. And uh, Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. Don't you like that? They're always seeing. They're not. Jesus selects who he wants to select. It has nothing to do with their ability. <laughs> These guys are sleeping again. Right? When this is all happening, by the way. And Peter, they're weighed down with sleep. But since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory. So they, they it's a bad translation. They, they came awake and they saw, oh my goodness, what's going on? They see Moses and Elijah and they are freaked out and they're scared. Because that's what happens when you see God. You get scared. You don't boldly say, oh, how's it going? You must really like me. I'm sure we get along. No, you realize I am a sinner. I mean, all the wrong things you've done in your life. And all the wrong things done to you, you feel dirty. And so they're afraid. And uh, as they're there, Peter starts talking. Remember the listening problem we all have? Peter had it big time. Peter was terrible at listening, but he was very good at what? Talking. And so here's this incredible thing happening. Peter can't be quiet. He has to add something to it. He's got to say something. He has to speak. He can't wait. He can't wait for Jesus to speak. Oh, no. He's going to tell God who God is. That's what we do. That's our talent, by the way. We don't listen. We tell God who he is. We do this all the time. And so Peter says, hey, master, it's good for us to be here. Duh. First of all, what, is that all you're saying? It's good for you to be here? Maybe great. And then he says this, let's make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. At the time of this event, the Jews were in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, which celebrated how God took the people of Israel through the wilderness for 40 years, safely fed them, watered them, you know, took care of them into the promised land. And so every year they would meet in tents outside of Jerusalem and remember how God took them in tents across the desert into the promised land. Isn't that cool? And so I think that Peter, when he says this, he's just throwing stuff out. But he's probably thinking, man, I'm like in the front row of the celebration here. You know what I mean? Like, these are VIP tickets to this party. And so let's make three tents. Oh, we're going to party together? We're going to remember this? Yeah, cool. Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. That's awesome, man. It's like your three favorite baseball or basketball heroes, right? It is three of them. Equal tents for each one. And I like how Luke says what? Luke says he didn't know what he was talking about because <laughs> he's just talking. He's not thinking. He's not listening. He's talking. That's you and me. When you read scripture, I'm going to challenge you to read it this Lent. Be in his word. Don't talk. Don't come with what you want it to say. Don't tell God how he's supposed to be God. You listen to him. Let him speak and tell you about himself and about you. So while Peter's saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they were covered in the cloud, as they entered the cloud. And then from the cloud a, a, came a voice 
And the voice, it basically, it's kind of like, shut up, Peter, is what it was, right? Please be quiet. And then a voice comes down and says, this is my son. Not Moses. Not like, they're awesome. They're prophets chosen by God. This is my son. My chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was there alone. Listen to him. It doesn't mean that Moses and Elijah are wrong or that the Old Testament is no longer applicable to today's lives. Not in any way. In fact, this definitely says Moses and Elijah are a part of God's word. You should listen to them, absolutely. But what we're being made very clear here is that we cannot hear Moses and Elijah outside of listening to Jesus. That he is the interpreter of Moses and Elijah, the Old Testament. That Moses and Elijah are about Jesus. Everything they said Everything that happened in the Old Testament is about Jesus Christ. Was preaching it and pointing forward to it. And now that he's here, he is the one we listen to. You listen to Jesus. This event shows us that Jesus is God. The one that you follow is God, not just a prophet, philosopher, politician. But God's also making a clear statement. You listen to him. If there's anyone in the world to listen to, he's the one you listen to. Because he and he alone and his voice and his words alone, as we read them in scripture, as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell them, as Paul teaches them, his words will get us home and land the plane. And nobody else will. And his words are for all. Listen to him. In the 90s, there was a, a number of terrible, sad deaths, right? Um, I think Mother Teresa died, um, and uh, Princess Di, that crazy deal, and then JFK Jr., remember that? And he was a new pilot, but he was, they were flying somewhere with his wife, and it was dark, and it crashed in the ocean there. And the reason why is he didn't, I believe he did not have, um, he wasn't able to fly with instruments, right? There's a name for that, a license to fly with instruments. He shouldn't have been out there. And the reason why you need a special license for that, because when you're up in the plane, apparently, I mean, obvi- I think it's obvious, you, you have no, you have no uh, perspective, in the darkness especially. You don't know what's ahead of you. Things can look like something's ahead of you, but it's not really. You can think you're going east or west or north or south, up and down. You can't really tell. And so you have to totally trust your instruments and totally not trust your senses, actually. That's a little bit of a talent. Take some training. That's what this is all about. Our world is dark. It is confusing. It's more confusing there than ever. And there are voices everywhere telling us wrong is right, right is wrong, this is good, what used to be bad is now good, right? And our senses and our feelings and our instincts, we can't trust those. That's a lie. <laughs> Don't trust your instincts. You can learn to hear, I'm not saying you can learn what they are and who you are. That's, there's something to that, absolutely. But ultimately, don't go around and trusting what your heart says because your heart is flimsy and wishy-washy and just like that pilot up there in the darkness 
if you kind of do what you think is right and trust yourself, you're going to end up in the ocean. God's word is that voice that we trust above all things. It is that light in the darkness. It is that which gives us hope. It's his voice, Jesus' voice that says to us, even though we feel like a sinner and we feel like we should not be loved and we feel like dirt, it's his voice that says, do not be afraid. It's his voice that says, you are forgiven. Jesus' voice is the one that says, I will raise you up even though we're burying a loved one. And tears are coming down our eyes. His voice says, don't worry about this. You will rise. I have conquered death and I will raise you up on the last day. It's going to be okay. His voice. Listen to him, God says. Listen to him as he dresses you down. Let me tell you, as you read Paul, as you get into God's word, you're not going to feel good about yourself all the time. He's not going to confirm what you feel. He's going to show you that you got a wheel loose or off or your plane's broken totally or you're out of gas. God in his word, Jesus oftentimes is dressing people down, especially if you think you're great, you're awesome, you're okay. Don't read the Bible then. Don't listen to Jesus because he's going to make you feel this small. But if you see that you got no choice and you're at the bottom of the barrel, the end of your rope, and you're honest with yourself, that you listen to Jesus because he also tells you no matter who you are no matter what you've done you are forgiven that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world though we deserve to be condemned but to save it that whoever believes in Jesus Christ has eternal life period it's a free gift those words make a difference in the morning about who you are and where you're going, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what sin you've committed, no matter whether or not your job's going to be there tomorrow, his words tell us and give us hope and they give us peace. Amen, right? You listen to him. I encourage you to listen to him. This Lent, this Wednesday, we're going to start a challenge reading all the letters of Paul. And just enjoy reading them. You don't need to figure it all out or have every sentence down or stop after everything and figure out what everything little thing means. Enjoy it as a letter, as a piece of literature. Read it. And I encourage you to read uh, one psalm a day. I encourage you to put away your phone and stuff and take a little time each day to listen and hear Jesus and hear God through his word. I promise you'll be blessed by it and it will give you joy and it'll give you a peace and it'll give you a center of gravity and a foundation of a rock no matter what kind of storms are going on in your life. You know, in that story of Tammy Joe, she had to listen carefully, but she also had to do exactly what the instructor said, right? I mean, if she could listen all she wanted, but she didn't do it, that plane would still crash. By the way, it didn't. I don't know if I told you that. It, it was, she was fine. <laughs> Should have said that in the beginning. What's, what's going on, Tammy Joe? In the case of Christianity, Jesus, Christianity is not about a coach from afar telling us how to do this and this in order to land properly. Christianity is about Jesus getting in our plane. You see, you're going to fail at listening. You're not going to do a great job. You're going to not do it every day reading God's word this, this Lent. Give it a shot, absolutely. 
But the good news is Christ gets in our plane. He gets in our sea. He's not our co-pilot. He is the pilot of your salvation. And in our case, Christ gets in it and he himself will land your plane safely. He himself will keep you in the faith. He himself will guide you through all the storms. You can just relax and enjoy listening to his word and letting him take care of your salvation. That's what Christianity is all about. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.